working. I may not always feel it, but I know he's working. All things together for good. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're our way maker. You're our healer. You're a miracle worker. Oh, glory to God. Why don't you reach over and pray for somebody around you? Pray a blessing on them right now. Come on, pray a supernatural blessing in the name of Jesus. God, I pray a supernatural touch, a supernatural move, a healing, a breakthrough, a miracle in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, do a work in my brother's life. Do a work in my sister's life right now. We claim it in Jesus' name. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you Give him praise for it. Yes, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, praise singers and musicians, for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Sister uh, Shelley, we want you to know we're praying for you and your family. Her grandfather, Brother McGinnis, McGinnis, is it McKinnis or McKinnis? 
Kinnis passed away just a few days ago uh, uh, just quite a figure there in Illinois and in the organization and we are praying for her and her family and that church in Jesus name amen we'll dismiss our youth and our hyphen classes to go their ways and you may be seated thank the Lord There were three things that identified the early church and especially Peter and John, but the early church, there were three things that identified them have, with having been with Jesus. You'll remember in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, <clears throat> after they had prayed for the lame beggar in Acts chapter 3 and he received his legs and began to worship and praise the Lord and that opened a door for Peter to preach to even more people than he had in Acts 2. And he begins to preach to them the same thing that he preached in Acts chapter 2, and that is Jesus. And as they preached, he preached the word to them. Um, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 3 that as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And they were grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They lay hands on them and they put them in hold unto the next day for it was now eventide. And the Bible says in verse 4 that howbeit many of them, even in spite, I want you to catch this. I'm in Acts chapter 4, verse 4. That even in the face of the, this adversity, the Bible says that many of them, those that heard the word, believed. Even while the outside culture was coming in on them and, and opposing them, the Bible says that many of them, now not all of them, so we've got to be careful that we don't get, get discouraged that not everybody that we preach to gets saved. Not everybody we witness to runs to church with you. But, but many of them, many of them which heard the word believed and the number of them was about 5,000. I'm telling you that that happened while the religious world came against them, they had revival. I wonder if there's anybody that can get excited that even in this current climate and this messed up culture that we have Bible that lets us know that we can still have revival, that we can preach the word and maybe not everybody will get it, but many will. We can witness and not everybody will get it, but many will. You need to go ahead and get excited over the many that are going to be saved through your witness, through your word, through your testimony. And everybody said, Amen. It came to pass in verse 5 on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and, and, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, By what power or by what name? Have ye done this? They are talking here about the miracle in chapter 3 and the preaching that they are doing in chapter 4. They're really saying, how are you having revival? By what power? By what name? Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, you rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Now we need to catch this afresh. We need
need to understand that while Peter was doing good, people came against him. And we're going to have to stand up in this last day and understand that we don't have to do bad to be considered bad. We can just do good and be oppressed. But we've got to stand up in the face of adversity. Filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to you today about not being ashamed and being bold enough to be who we are, who you are. He said, if we do, if we this day be examined of the good deed, we're going to be examined. We're going to be criticized for doing good, for preaching truth, for holding to morals and standards. We will be criticized for this. Peter said, well, if we're going to be examined of this good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, we'll just tell you, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Peter says, if you're going to give me an opening, I'm going to go ahead and preach it all over again. I'll tell you that it's by the power of the name of Jesus. I'm telling you in these last days, watch for your openings. They will be disguised as criticisms. They will be disguised as opposition. But when the door opens, go ahead and step in by the authority of the Holy Ghost and the power of the name of Jesus. Watch for every little opportunity to share Jesus Christ with this world. I think we've got to kind of reprogram our thinking. I know it used to be we could throw a sign out front and throw a tent up and have tent revival. And a lot of the town people would come down because everybody liked a good church service. But those days are behind us, I'm afraid. I think what we're going to have to understand is that we've got to go out into the world. This is what Jesus said to do anyway. He said, go out into the highways and the byways. If we're, if we're expecting them to run to us, that may not happen. But if we can get out there where they are, yes it will be hard and yes it will be difficult and, and I believe that we will face a, a demon opposition on every hand but I say let's rise up in these last days we know our God and he will give us power to do exploits and to work in his kingdom we can no we shall have revival in these last days I'm going to win some souls for Jesus I'm going to pull some people out of the flames of hell I'm going to do it even though the world is is a mess. Even though we may not be able to fill up the revival meetings with people but, but what are in church, that's all right. We're taking the church to them. And then as we reach them, they'll come to church with you. It may not be that they fill up the, the, this uh, particular building because we said there's revival. We're going to fill up this building because we took revival to them. You want to ask how we're doing this? You want to criticize? You want to come down on us? That's all right. I see an open door. I will tell you by what name we are preaching. We are preaching in the name of Jesus who you crucified. And while I'm telling you, everybody else is going to hear what I'm saying. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. They're just trying to get him to shut up, and Peter just keeps on preaching. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, 
Now, this is why I want you to catch this. I, I told you this morning I'll be short and I'll be sweet, but I need you to catch this. When they perceived, when they saw the boldness of Peter, watch this, verse 13. They saw, what did they see? The what? The boldness. And then they what? They perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Now, most unlearned and ignorant people, they might be, they might be vocal, <laughs> but they don't always sound like they have confidence. They don't always sound like they know what they're talking about. And Peter is standing here like an orator, straight, talking to this people who are against him. And he's doing so without stuttering or stammering or being ashamed. And they took notice of this. He's bold like somebody who's been educated would speak. He, he speaks as somebody who's used to speaking. He, he's got some boldness about him. It, it amazes me that the best preachers in the world have never had a, a course on oratory. They've never been trained speakers. I would rather hear somebody anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost than hear somebody who's been to 10 years of oratory training, who knows how to inflect and, and all of that. So I just, just give me a good old-fashioned, Holy Ghost-filled, anointed word. I'll get more out of 10 minutes of that. And they said, I don't understand. This man is ignorant. He's not learned. He's not educated. But there's something. And they took notice of him. They saw the boldness and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. And they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They went on to behold the miracle, the man that had been healed. And they said that, 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 that a great miracle has been done. We cannot argue that. Now listen, Jesus is getting ready. I believe this. We're already seeing it. We've already seen it. God's, God's never stopped doing miracles. But I do believe we're going to see more and more. In these last days of undeniable power of God being manifest in these last days. That God is going to reach for those few that would be saved before he comes. And I do believe that. I believe that we're going to see people healed of cancer. Amen. I believe that, Brother Chad. We're seeing people healed of cancer, right? Amen. I believe we're going to see people healed. His, his dad has a great testimony of being healed of cancer. We're going to see people who should have died but didn't die. We're going to see people. We're going to see. I believe this. We're going to, and not, not just revival meetings, not just special meetings, but just on a Wednesday night. Why not? Why not come on a Wednesday night? Can you, can you believe that if you brought somebody on a Wednesday night Bible study that needed healing, that they would be healed? Why not? I mean... The power of God is strong on Wednesday night. We will see this. I'm claiming this. And it will be undeniable. That God would eradicate any excuses that anybody might have to say, well, I didn't know, I didn't know God was real. When you, see, when you see somebody healed before your very eyes, and they're saying God is removing their excuses in this chapter. They have no excuse but to believe what Peter is preaching. They look at the man and they say, well, we can't deny that there's a miracle. They're talking about Jesus, but we don't want to receive it. Here's what I want you to notice. That there were three things that identified this group says that they took notice that they had been with Jesus. Three things that identified them with Jesus. One was their boldness. Their boldness. It was not rude. They weren't rude. Boldness and, rude, and rudeness are not the same thing. You can be bold and not rude. You can be bold and not crass. You can be bold and not be ugly. Boldness simply says, I'm going to speak the truth unapologetically. 
I'm going to, I'm going to preach the truth uh, openly. I'm going to preach, I'm going to speak the truth unashamedly. That's boldness. You don't have to ram it down anybody's throat to be bold. You can be polite. Come on, somebody, and be bold. You can be nice and be bold. The first thing was their boldness. The second thing was their teaching. And the third thing was their beliefs. And I believe this. If, if those qualities is what identified them, then I believe it stands to reason that it is those same qualities that would also identify us as having been with Jesus, as being Christians, as being called by his name, as being his ambassadors. It, it has been said that if you show me your friends, then I'll show you your future. I believe that. In other words, who you spend your time with will affect your thinking. And your thinking will affect your beliefs. And your beliefs will affect your conduct and behavior. And you are what you do. And so, show me who you're hanging with. I'll show you your future. Eventually, the kind of people you allow into your circle of influence will not only influence you, they will affect change. Good or bad, they will affect change in your life. I could usually... When, when I was raising my kids, I could usually discern who my kids had been with by their current attitudes and behaviors. There were certain friends that had they been around, I could tell by the way they spoke today, they'd been hanging around with Bobby. They, you know, or she'd been hanging around with Susie. And, um, and I could tell what friends they had hung with that day just because of their particular attitude. I could tell when they came back from church camp, they had a particular behavior and attitude. They'd been to church camp all week around godly people and godly preaching and in and out of services and they come back and man, I would watch them come back on fire. You know, I could tell. You wouldn't even have to tell me where they'd been. If I hadn't known, I'd tell you that. I think they'd been to church camp this week. I could tell with whom they had been. I could tell when they'd been to grandma's house. Claire May my mom, I could tell when they'd been to grandma's house because they come back all spoiled, rotten, and had to retrain them all of these things. No, there's rules here in our house, you know. You get the idea? What a compliment for it to have been said that they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. I can't think of a greater compliment than to be noted that I'd been with Jesus. Let me ask you, what, who have you been with? Or, if you prefer, with whom have you been? Who have you been with? Because it will determine who you become. They identified them with Jesus, and one reason was their boldness. Let me talk about this. Ephesians 3, 7, whereof I was made a minister, Paul says, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, verse 8, unto me, who am, what's Paul's attitude? He says, who am less than the least of all saints. When it comes to measuring himself against all of us, he would say, whoever is the least among you, not anymore. I take your spot. I am the least of the least of all saints. He says, Un, unto me, the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, Paul, I, Paul 
uh, he had what I preached this morning about not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. He, he's the one that wrote that, and he had mastered that. He understood, look, when it comes to where I fall in line in the church, man, I am the chief sinner among all sinners. I am the least of the least of all saints, but I'm going to give you, uh, give you word today that I have been given grace. I'm not preaching because I deserve it. I'm not preaching because I'm worthy. I'm preaching because his grace has given me that I should preach. Verse 11 says, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now, I'm, I, I want to tell you that this, I'm, I'm not talking to you today about personalities. I'm not talking to you today about some of us are more uh, open and some of us are more reserved and some of us, we, we, we don't mind speaking in crowds and some of us do all of that aside. We're not talking about speaking skills. We're not talking about any of that. Not even your personality styles. Because you were born, you might say, well, I was born an introvert or whatever. That, that doesn't even matter. I, when people use that, that's the way I was born argument. It goes right out the window when Jesus said, you're going to be born again. So it doesn't matter how you were born. It, what it matters is that you're born again. And so you might be shy by nature, and you might be reserved by nature. And I don't know what Paul was like before he got the Holy Ghost necessarily. I know he was, he was a pretty stern guy. He, was, he went after, I don't know, but I don't know if he got up and gave big long sermons or not. But, but I do know this. He says, I was the least of all saints, and I, I'm only in this because of the grace of God. And it's him, it's him that has given me the ability and the boldness and the access with confidence by faith of him. So I'm telling you that you might be the most reserved, the shyest person in the world, and yet by the power of the Holy Ghost, because you've been with Jesus, you can give a word to somebody. You can share Jesus to somebody. What I'm saying to you, don't check yourself out of this whole being a witness thing just because you can't, you can't just say, well, you know, God gave me this personality I have. I'm just, I'm just shy and I'm reserved and I'm, and I'm quiet. But I guarantee you if, if your child was starting to run out into the middle of the street in front of a car, you, you'd get rid of that quiet personality real quick. And, and it's not much different here. We have friends and loved ones who are headed to a devil's hell. And they need somebody who loves them and cares for them to be bold enough. Listen, the world is bold enough. The ungodly people, you think they're ashamed? More and more every day, they're in our face. They're marching. They're rioting. They're doing their parades. They're doing their Facebook. They're, doing, they're, they're in our face. They're demanding to be heard. So I'm not telling you to be rude and crass. I'm just simply telling you, don't you dare withdraw. In these last days, your voice must be heard. You may be the only preacher that those people hear. And it is just as desperate for them as that if your little child was walking out in the middle of a busy street and you would yell, stop. So God's given you the boldness on your job to be a witness. God's given you the boldness in your neighborhood to be a witness. Amen. You may not get up and give a Bible study. You may not give up, get up and give a 30-minute presentation. But I guarantee you, God can open doors 
open windows of opportunity, and you've got to have the boldness to walk into those things and to speak. And he says it's through the power of the Holy Ghost. God, give us a Holy Ghost boldness to be a witness for you in these last days. Somebody said amen. I'm talking about the boldness to declare the Lord to lay hands on the sick. How many of you feel comfortable laying hands on people if they want prayer? Don't raise your hand when I ask you this, but how many are uncomfortable? You don't have to raise your hand. But if you're uncomfortable praying for somebody and you just say, and, and again, we dismiss these things. Well, that's just not who I am. No, you've been born again. You've been given the Holy Ghost. You may not be, no, no, I know, you may not go on it. You may not have a, a crusade, <laughs> miracle crusade, and your name on the marquee. You may not be going around your job saying, anybody need prayer today? I'll be meeting at lunch. You know, I don't, I'm not saying that. But if somebody tells you, man, you know, pray for me, you don't have to always, you don't always have to say, well, I'll have my church pray for you. My neighbor, years ago, my neighbor, um, I, he knew I was a preacher. He's got some history in Pentecost. His wife does not. And we were in the backyard one day, and he called me over, my wife and I. His little girl had, I think, I don't know how old she was when that happened, probably about four or five. She had been on a, a little wagon or a toy or something, and she accidentally got out in the road, and it got away from her. She started rolling down the hill, and she just face-planted a sign, and her face was just a mess. And uh, he said, he said uh, I want to ask you to pray for my daughter. So I'm a Pentecostal preacher. What I heard was, come over here and lay hands on my daughter and speak in tongues for an hour. You know, that's what I, that's what I heard. <laughs> what he meant was, next time you are somewhere other than here, <laughs> where you won't traumatize my daughter and wife, pray for my daughter. I did not hear that. I just, I, he knew who I was. I just figured he's asking me. So I, just, I said, absolutely, I will. I walked over and I said, honey, I want to pray for you. And she said, uh. And I just laid my hands on her and began to pray in the name of Jesus. And Cindy said, <laughs> some of the people in that circle's eyes were this big around when you started praying. <laughs> now, my neighbor knew what I was doing. He thanked me later. He thanked me for doing that. But I'm just telling you, it doesn't, we don't always have to wait. Pray. How do you do that? You've got to have some Holy Ghost boldness you don't have to cause a scene you don't have to have security called on you in Walmart I don't mean all that I'm just saying you can pray you can lay hands on people and pray we still believe this don't we somebody said amen so well do you believe you could cast out demons do you believe you have power to tread on serpents it doesn't matter how much power we have if we don't have the personal boldness to exercise it. So don't, don't you dare let the devil intimidate you, scare you, make you feel ashamed. No, no, no. This is time for revival, folks. This world is ripe. The harvest is ripe. It is time for revival. Amen. We live in a world every other day. We never know what they're going to tell us from day to day. Put on a mask, stay inside, go out, do this, do that. The world is just, they're just so confused. But there's one thing they know, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. We know what that is. Jesus is about to come. We cannot shut up about the message of the rapture. Jesus is about to come. And this world needs to know Jesus is coming. And the only way out of this mess...
His name is Jesus. Come on, you don't need another pill. You don't need another bottle. You don't need another relationship. What you need is Jesus. And if we don't declare it, nobody's going to tell them if the Pentecostal church does not declare Jesus. Oh, somebody said amen. So don't be ashamed. Don't withdraw. Don't be quiet. Amen. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, I put the remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. This is not just talking about anxiety and being nervous, laying awake at night nervous. That's part of it. But a spirit of fear is also a spirit of intimidation. So we need to stir up the gift that is in us. That gift, when you first received that gift, that everybody knew what happened to you. And if anybody said, what's different about you? You got saved on Sunday night, and Monday somebody asked you, what's different about you? You said, oh, let me tell you what happened to me. Amen. Don't let the devil rob you of that years later. Come on, you're still something different about you. Amen. And God, it's still the power of Jesus. So tell it, tell it, tell it. God, give us the boldness that we need. So don't let a spirit of fear come over you. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. See, the opposite of boldness is being ashamed. I, I, I've, been, I've referenced a few times lately about the old, you know, in the old times we used to have testimony services, right? And testimony, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, we just had somebody would say, Brother Jimmy Southern, come up and lead testimonies. And Brother Southern would come up and stand here and stare at you until you got up and testified about something. And if nobody stood up for a minute or two and it got awkward, the, the uh, keyboardist would start a song. And then we'd wait a little bit <laughs> until everybody, I mean, you know, it was, I'm not knocking it for that time. Uh, but one thing that it taught me, because we were pressured, Brother Pace, if we still did that, you would probably be telling your kids, now get up and testify, you know, get up and say something. That's what they did that then. Get up and say something. Get up and say something. I was like, well, what do I say? You know, I don't know what to say. So all of us kids had the same testimony. We either said, well, I thank the Lord for everything he's done for me. If we had the Holy Ghost, we would say, I thank the Lord for everything he's done for me and forgive me the Holy Ghost. So it's either one or the other. <laughs> you were excited when you graduated to adding and giving me the Holy Ghost. But other than that, I think the Lord for everything he's done for me, and you'd sit down. But one thing that that did, it taught us not to be ashamed, to, to get up and have a little bit of uh, boldness. And so we don't have to do that in testimony service. You saw it exemplified, and you see it exemplified right now that we're teaching our children. You don't have to be ashamed to go up and worship in front of the church. You don't have to be ashamed to sit up in front of the church. You don't have to be ashamed to go to the altar. You don't have to be ashamed to be baptized in Jesus' name. Don't be ashamed to tell people about Jesus. Don't be ashamed to raise your hands and worship the Lord. Amen. And if they get it when they're 5 and 4 and 3, they'll have it when they're 12 and 13 and 4. Don't wait till they're 15 and start trying to tell them, you need to worship when you get to church. Don't be ashamed to worship when you get to church. Man, you, you know, even when they're raised in the church, you know those attitudes show up about 15, 14 years old. Even when they're raised in the church, so you better get a head start on this thing. Get it in them while they're young. Somebody said amen. This is good teaching for not having studied, huh? If you weren't in here this morning, I just found out uh, this morning as we were praying in the office, I nudged Brother um, Gunderman and I said, you're preaching this afternoon, right? And he said, no. <laughs> uh, 
And I said, I thought that was, he said, no, on our text, we said, I told you I was on call. I was going to, I said, okay, that's right. So anyway, this is what you get. <laughs> you get what you get. And there you go. I wasn't going to say don't throw a fit. I was going to say enjoy it and love it, but that's all right too. <laughs> that was the first identifying character was boldness. The second was, the second was that they had been with Jesus was their teaching. They, they, they were teaching the very same thing that Jesus had taught, and they were emphatically declaring that he was God. So what we say must line up with what Jesus said. Our teaching must line up with his teaching. Can you say amen? The third thing that identified them, the third identifying characteristic was their beliefs. They believed everything that they taught. The Pharisees were pointed out by Jesus as the epitome of hypocrisy. And many of on this very council that were examining Peter and John, they doubtlessly fell into that category. They were probably there. They were the ones Jesus called hypocrites, and now they're going to get... They're going to get their revenge because here's Jesus' disciples. When they, the people that Jesus said, think of this. He pointed at these, these, this very people and called them whitewashed sepulchers. That means they were graveyards that somebody painted to look nice. But he said, inside you're full of dead men's bones. He called them cups that were washed on the outside. But he said, inside you're vile and dirty and filthy. He called them names. He called them names. He called them foxes. and He called them, he called them hypocrites. And now, here they are. And the, they say, who are you preaching? Whose name? And they said, the one who called you a hypocrite. That's whose name. Now, you know they didn't roll out the red carpet for them. They became more indignant. The Pharisees were pointed out by Jesus. And they were on this very council that are examining Peter and John. And so to see a group of religious people who not only taught, but legitimately, get this, not only taught it. They were used to seeing religious people teach something. But this is new to, to see someone who legitimately believed what they were saying. The Pharisees said one thing, did another. Put heavy burdens on them, but didn't live it for themselves. And now they see this group of people who are willing to die for their faith. They believe what they teach. They believe what they preach. Say amen. They believe everything they taught. So I want to go on record today as saying that I believe every word in this Bible. I believe every doctrine. I love this message. I love the truth. I'm, I bought the truth, and I'm not going to sell the truth. And I believe you do too. They believed that every one of them, uh, for the exception of one, would die for it, for the cause, would be killed for it. I want, I, I, I want to be with Jesus to the degree that the world would take knowledge of it, that in my boldness, in my teaching, in my attitudes, in my beliefs, I need some music to come if you would. I want it to be said when somebody's around me. Sorry, I didn't give you any warning at all, did I? Just like I would say of my kids, my, I, I can tell y'all been at Grandma's. I can tell y'all been down at Johnny's house. I can tell you've been with Jesus. Amen. Um, I told you guys this the other day, but some of you weren't here to hear it. But a few weeks ago, Brother Pace told me 
after the first service, he pointed to a spot on the carpet. He said, if you don't have a water leak or anything, he said, I've been teaching about the Holy Ghost, and I had an example, and I was pouring water into a, a bowl and had a towel, and it overflows, and that's my lesson to them, ta- teaching them about the fil- being filled with the Holy Ghost. It was just an example. And, uh, oh, boy, my grandkids are old enough now to know when I'm getting ready to use them. I'm getting the eye by one of them here. So Jordan's oldest, Lennox, he's standing about right here. When he told me, Brother Pace, he said, uh, Papa, I got the Holy Ghost. Now, I, kn- I know, I, as far as I know, he's not received the Holy Ghost yet. And he's not been baptized yet. But I knew, I put it together. Oh, he just heard a lesson on the Holy Ghost. And I go, you did. I didn't discourage him. I said, is that right? Well, tell me what happened. He said, well, he said, I only got it up to here. <laughs> and, and then he, and Wrigley did receive the Holy Ghost this past year. Thank the Lord. But he's, he's, he's got a little competitive spirit about him. He gets that from his, uh, the other side of the family. <laughs> he, said, he said, Wrigley only got it to here. I got it to here. So Wrigley, you only got it to here, and he got it up to here. You know what I thought? I know where he's been. I know where he's been. Your kids, your, your kids aren't coming home from Ellisville schools and Bloomington schools and talking about the Holy Ghost. Amen. They're coming from Sunday school talking about the Holy Ghost, talking about I got the Holy Ghost up to here. <laughs> well, that's, you know, he's got a little bit more to learn about it, but he's, he's open to it. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about the things of the Lord. Amen. And then my other grandchildren, my older grandchildren, when I see them up here worshiping the Lord, you feel that same thing about your children. When they're up here worshiping the Lord and you see their hands raised and you see them praying at the altar and they're speaking in tongues and God is obviously going to use them. I know with whom they've been. I know they're not always going to be around Brother Pace and Brother Jordan and around me and around you. And they're not always going to be, they're going to be around other influences too. So the Holy Ghost in them gives them power that the world's able to say, I, I, you're different, something's different about you. You've been with Jesus. I believe it. I believe that the closer we get to the rapture, and I believe it's very close, the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more of a contrast there's going to be between righteousness and unrighteousness. It, not very many years ago, there, you, you know, you couldn't tell believers from non-believers. I mean, most people had certain standards of at least appearance. But we live in such a, a culture now, it's just becoming more and more. What's happening, I heard somebody was talking the other day, and this was about the political scene. They were talking about people moving from one state to other states and uh, Republicans moving to this state and Democrats staying in that. And they said what we're seeing, what we're going to see is the red states become redder and the blue states become bluer, not necessarily a civil war, but we're going to see the red become more red and the blue become more blue because the people are just going to move. If you want a wide open state, everybody moving to Florida right now. No mask, no mandates, that's what they want. There's not, you know, all this, so everybody's, why not? Why not? If you got the money and people, you can work from home. Please, I'm not telling you to move to Florida. I want you to stay here. <laughs> but that's what people are thinking right now. I'm going to go where that reflects the way I believe. And then the, the people that don't believe that way, they're going to stay in California and these other places. And we're going to see the red get more red and the blue get more blue. And I don't know if that's accurate or not. It looks like it's going to be that way for now. But I believe that in the spirit world as well. I believe that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the 
the world's going to know who's authentic and who's not. And so, we, I mean, really, think about this. What have we changed in our message? And I'm talking about the apostolic church. What have we changed? We've always, we've always taught gender distinction. We were, we were teaching it when everybody was saying, what's the big deal about gender distinction? You're finding out now. You're finding out now. We've always taught separation from ungodly things and separate that there's clear lines and we need to not not skirt as close as we can to, but get as far away from them. We've always taught we've always taught modesty, covering up our bodies and and and, and being presentable. And people were saying, "Well, what's the big deal between an a, an inch or two or three? And we're seeing it now. You're seeing it now. You're seeing you're seeing what the difference is because one turns into two and three, and you can't even go out, especially in the summertime anymore, without blushing so what have we this is the same thing we've been teaching and preaching for years why it's in the word and I'm just telling you the people that are looking for authentic Christian teaching they're going to look and and I believe this the 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 righteous are going to be more and more identifiable as righteous and the unrighteous are going to be just more and more identifiable as unrighteous the red gets redder the blue gets bluer i'm not likening the the political to the spiritual i'm just simply saying that as we get closer to the coming of the lord people are going to look for a lighthouse who's preaching the truth who believes the truth who has been with jesus I don't, I don't just want somebody that's been, I just don't want, I don't want somebody to just quote, quote scriptures or, or give me a good, I want to, have you been with Jesus? You know the difference. You've been in, you've been in settings where you, you've, you've, been, you've heard a preacher and you think, I don't know if they've been with Jesus or not. And then you've been in settings where you think, I think they spent a little time with Jesus. You've been in services where you sit and you say, I don't know if this is, I don't know if they care too much about Jesus being here or not. And you've gone in buildings before the first uh, note of the first song. You thought, man, I feel the power of Jesus here. I want them to know that I have been and this church has been and we are with Jesus. Amen. Stand to your feet, would you? Glory to God. Would you do this? Would you, would you, if you're comfortable doing this, if you're not, you don't have to, but if you're comfortable, would you just come up around the front here and stand together? You can kneel if you want to kneel. This altar is open to kneel. But I just feel like we need to pray with one another and for one another that as this, um, the, uh, this thing winds down, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, We're pressed upon, we're, 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 we're condemned, we're going to be more and more so the closer it gets to the coming of the Lord. Folks, I mean, we're, look, we're up here, I'm up here preaching to the whole world through the, through the uh, internet, and I'm preaching the same thing I've been preaching for years. In the last seven years, it's been going out to the whole world. Every time I say, look, that's an abomination, look, that's a sin, look, that, and we're a heartbeat away from this being what I preach being legally deemed hate speech and uh, we're going to we're going to take a beating for it among certain circles but I don't really care what those on the outside don't understand but those on the inside understand what we're talking it's about the Bible it's about the truth and then those on the outside that are really hungry for righteousness that's who I'm reaching for. 
we'll always have our critics. We're always going to have those that will condemn whatever we do just because of who we are. But there are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And if they can't find a righteous place to get righteousness, if they can't find a preacher preaching righteousness, if they can't find a church that believes in righteousness, that exemplifies righteousness, they are doomed. So God, don't ever let us lose those qualities, those characteristics that identify us as having been with Jesus. Amen. Let's sing. Let's worship together. Let's pray for one another. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless these people in the name of Jesus, I pray, God. To worship you, I live. We need you, Lord. To worship you, we I need you, live. Lord. I live to worship you. Oh, yes, Lord. God, we want to be your church. We want to be your people. To worship you, I live.